It's all screwed up out there, man. But you don't need me to tell you that. You already know. Welcome to Deep Americana. Hello, I'm Ray Carney again. Today I'll be interviewing Randy and Chadra over the trials and tribulations of working with disabled people, handicapped people, um, and, and why it's good to help a community. So you guys both work with handicapped people, right? Okay. And Randy is a direct support professional. Okay. Okay. Um, and let's see. So, do you do you guys enjoy your jobs? I enjoy my job. I have a lot of fun with it. Okay. Uh, but I don't have a whole lot of behaviors to deal with. Uh, it's a it's a small setting with uh, uh, right now less than 40, 40 people. Okay. Okay, and Chadra, you oversee some sometimes close to ninety people to a hundred people. Uh, yes, between disabled and non-disabled staff members, I have over a hundred people a day. Oh, man. So. And my my primary focus is teaching work skills. Okay. So okay. we pay them to work on contracts that we do for various community members right. in our town. And then they earn a paycheck uh, for the work that they do. And um, then we also work with them on trying to gain employment, like out in the community, at Walmart, Dillon's, O'Reilly's, whatever else, any, that whatever it is that they might be interested in. Excellent. Um, how, like, how do you oversee that many people? 40 people's a lot, too. You know, that's a lot. Both of those are a lot of people. You know, how how do you how do you do that? Uh, I spend a lot of time on organization and schedules and routines and hand feeding things to staff. Like this is what you're going to talk about today with this group, and you know, kind of coming up with like monthly themes and then coming up with training ideas, and then I, the other half of my staff I pay to oversee the contracts and teach them how to do whatever the contract skill is, if it's packaging or labeling, and then they go out and try to also teach skills at the store, so um, they may do pulling things or putting stuff on shelves, stuff like that. Excellent. Nice. It's all about the scheduling and routine and making sure everybody knows where they're supposed to be. If somebody doesn't show up, the entire thing collapses and we have to start over. So imagine there's probably, what are the positives um, with all of this? How does it make you feel to, uh, it's your job, but you're helping people too, right? You want to go first? No, no, I don't want to do all the talking. sense of accomplishment when you see somebody that, that's come into the program that is having a really difficult time uh, with just, just about everything in their life, you know, where they live, um, not making any money, not having things, and, uh, and, and it doesn't happen overnight, it takes several years, Right. but 
things are in less restrictive environments, and you get a really good sense of accomplishment when you were got to be a part of that. Right, yeah, you're uplifting somebody and showing them what they can do. Right. You know, and that's, you know, that's something that I don't think that in our culture that we, you know, you guys obviously understand that 100%, but... Like, I feel like our, our culture doesn't understand this helping helping someone regardless and uplifting them. Not only does that help you, but like you said, now they're out in the community working. You know what I mean? And so then, then we're, we're all participating and, and, you know, it's just, it's a good thing to do. Exactly. I would liken it to being a parent a lot of times. Oh, I bet. You put in years and years and years of helping somebody grow and develop and then you see them make you know, not just big accomplishments, but little accomplishments too. Yeah. Like, you know, for some people, just being able to write your name is a big deal. Right. Counting to 10 is a big deal. Right. So, and we learn to celebrate every little accomplishment, which, you know, kind of helps people to stay a little more positive too. Oh, yeah. Which can, you know, then uplift those staff and help them to, you know, be more positive because it gives them a sense of accomplishment too. No, and that's... And we take a lot of pride in our people when they... Uh, you know, like get a job out in the community. We make a real big deal out of that. Oh, yeah. Make sure that they know how important and how cool that is. Which is which is amazing. Now, Chad and Randy, uh, I know you guys, you go help people like a guardianship program too, right? Uh, I do. I uh, also am guardian for two folks that um, have uh, various levels of disability and also mental health issues. And I kind of just help them regulate their day-to-day care, make sure that the staff is doing what they're supposed to be doing and following their plans and then making sure their medical and health care is getting taken care of as far as, like, you know, getting to see the psychiatrist and seeing the regular doctor as well. And now I know um, in particular, isn't there one or two of those people in that guardianship that you've helped for several years? That's amazing. That's that's phenomenal. I think a lot more people should should be doing these types of things. Uh, the guardianship program is always looking for volunteers to uh, help with guardianship, and it's a it's a pretty varying gig because there's all kinds of people that need guardianship help. It's right. not just folks with disabilities. It's also people that you know are elderly or that might be in mental health care. Right. Um, somebody to help them to you know either regulate decisions that they're making or sometimes it might just be helping them to uh, manage their finances so that they can you know make sure their bills are paid right that's that's phenomenal and is there anywhere to sign up for that ad uh yeah you can go to the kansas guardianship program website Uh, i believe it's kgp.org Uh, for Kansas, and I'm sure if you Googled volunteer guardianship programs, Uh you could find them in every state. Excellent. Um, Okay, so now uh, I want to kind of get into um, a handicapped person's rights. And I remember you you guys specifically telling me stories about sometimes uh, handicapped people realize that 
they can get away with things. Um, we definitely we have some folks that are you know pretty pretty sharp people, and right. they've learned how to manipulate the system somewhat to uh, get what they need. Right. Um, so you know if you tell me no so many times that I can't go hang out at my boyfriend's place or that I can't eat that, you know, 10th cupcake, (laughs) then some folks know you can claim that uh, the staff hit me and the staff will get into trouble and they won't be able to come to work for a a long time while there's, you know, an investigation and things like that. So there are definitely people out there that manipulate the system and take advantage of it, just like there are in probably every institute. Right. No, there, it, it's it's much of the same uh, same there. Um, let's move move on then to uh, I know uh, or I don't know, and that's why I'm moving on to it. Um, so how how do you get funding for these programs? Um, well, our programs here are funded by state aid and also through uh, insurance companies. So the managed care organizations that uh, manage the Medicaid dollars are the ones who pay the different organizations to provide services. So that's on um, this thing called the Home and Community-Based Waiver. Okay. And what it does is it provides, according to how much care a person needs, a certain dollar amount to that. And then the provider can then bill out for so many units of service that they've provided to that person at a certain rate of cost. Then the insurance pays directly to the provider. There is never enough money to go around, and there's not enough money in the system to pay for everyone to have services. So there's established waiting lists to get care, and that list is thousands of people long. So people can be, I think the current wait list in Kansas is five years to get service. So if you sign up on the list today, then in five years from today, you'll be eligible for service. Theoretically, if the funding was to stay the same and not get cut in any way, shape, or form. Right. So, but on the flip side, even if they were to fund every single person on the waiting list, we would not have enough providers to provide service to all those people. I gotcha. um, there's only so many providers in town, and even at maximum capacity, they would not be able to serve the thousand plus people on the waiting list all at one time there would have to be more organizations more providers uh that were created in order to serve all of those people okay so underfunded and understaffed uh definitely and understaffed is a problem nationwide when it comes to providing direct care especially for individuals with disabilities um you know it's not the best paid field out there right you know a lot like a lot of other healthcare fields um you know the starting wages tend to be pretty low right uh it's entry level work it doesn't require you know a higher form of education or anything like that and so a lot of times it doesn't pay a whole lot and you have to you know, kind of be in it for more than just the paycheck because sometimes if the funding is not there, you may not see raises. There may not be, you know, cost of living uh, raises or anything like that to, to offset people's time and effort. And since it's desperately understaffed, sometimes people wind up putting in, you know, two, three, four weeks of work at a time and 
you know, two weeks time instead. So there's a lot of overtime and doubling up on people. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Is there anything either one of you you would like to add to to that? Uh, I don't know. To the funding <laughs> issue? Um, to, to anything we've been talking about. Right. Because when you talk to a lot of people, they say, oh, I wouldn't want to do that work. I wouldn't want to do that job. I couldn't do what you do. Yeah. And, and a lot and, of times people have this. But willing to, to pay more so you can get, you know, more staff or, or quality staff because you have some people that just... Quality staff. Is quality staff. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> you can get anybody that's a warm body. Entry level and they're getting paid, you know, a little over minimum wage and, you know, in a month's time, hey, I found something else, I'm leaving. Yeah. Right, right. And and then you're back to being understaffed again and try to find somebody else. You and a lot and, of people. And a lot of times when when us the state has to cut a budget, you know, our but our budget's cut first. Right. And you know to make up for for something else. Yeah. Which I think is is unfair. Which, which is yeah. Well, no, yeah, that's to- totally, totally unfair. And I, I would say there's probably a likelihood that, that some of the people that you guys work with can come out of this and, you know, learn how to maintain themselves, right? Definitely. There are some folks that I work with that, you know, are pretty borderline in their functioning abilities. Right. They, you know, can really do a lot of things for themselves. Right. Um, but, you know, some families really maintain the idea that, you should work less and instead live off of social security. Right. Um, so not everybody really encourages independence. So even those that are capable of achieving it aren't always motivated or encouraged to try to achieve it. Right. Which is very sad. Well, yeah. and a lot of people have the misconception that every person with a disability is a cute, cuddly Down syndrome person, and that's just not reality. Right. Um, you know, a lot of folks struggle with mental health issues as well oh, as yeah. disability. And so there's a lot of depression and anxiety and schizophrenia and, oh, yeah. and all of those things, which then, of course, lead to behavioral problems. So then we have some people that are, you know, pretty highly aggressive or very verbally offensive or even racially, you know, offensive. And then that can make it really hard to maintain staff because people get burnt out being called, you know, inappropriate names and right. having horrible things said to you and being punched every day can, you know, really wear a person down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so, I'm going to ask you, how is this uh, coronavirus affecting Wichita or your jobs or where you guys are at? Well, with my job, um, Friday was uh, their last day. Okay. Oh yeah. But that 
that's that's been their plan for now, and uh, is to shut down for two weeks and they'll reassess from there. Okay. My organization, on the other hand, is um, really trying hard to stay open. Uh, we, too, provide many other services besides just uh, client services. Um, and because we're a workshop that provides uh, contract work for vendors in our community, we are trying really hard to maintain and stay open because we still have people that need things. Right. Uh, we still have products that we have to produce, and we still have products we have to get out the door to you know meet customer customer demands. Um, however, some of the uh, agencies in town that provide residential services that have like group homes or semi-independent living. Um, they're choosing to self-quarantine and keep their people home for a while. Gotcha. So that's going to uh, impact my workforce quite a bit. I'll probably lose about 40 people oh, wow. uh, starting Monday to my usual uh, daily census. So, you know, that's going to then impact how much product we can produce and how quickly we can meet customer orders. Wow. Uh, have, have, have... Is, have either one of you guys gotten, like, danger pay or anything like that? No. Um, the bill that they're proposing right now won't apply to my organization or probably Randy's either. Uh, one, because we have over 500 employees at both of our organizations. Uh-huh. Um, and mandatory pay for choosing to shut down is under 500 employees. Oh, wow. Uh, and then, of course, on the other side... If the government shuts you down, they have to pay you. If you choose to shut down, ah, they have to pay you. That's a really so good point. Right now, if Randy was to you know not go to work, he would have to use his vacation time. Right. If I was to not go to work, I would have to use my leave time as well. Okay. Um, is everything pretty sh- uh, closed down around you guys? Are you guys having to go on treasure hunts for toilet paper? <laughs> right. Ah. Right. But yeah, you know, you go to the store and there's there's no canned goods, there's no bread, there's no eggs, there's no cleaning supplies. Right. Uh, if you do get lucky enough to find cleaning supplies, you can only buy one to three. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Pretty much on any type of paper towel, hand soap. I haven't seen a bottle of hand sanitizer on a store shelf in about two weeks. Right. Right. Yesterday, uh, when I went to the store, my coworker asked me to pick him up a uh, hand soap, and I literally bought the last two bottles. Oh wow! There was no more hand soap on the shelf. That's amazing. It's it's the same way out here. Um, yeah, it's how many? Do you guys know how many cases are are there in Kansas? Uh, we have oh forty four. We have one confirmed so far. Sedgwick. Okay. Oh, we have two confirmed now? I thought the other one was Butler County. No, it's two here. Okay, so we have two now in Sedgwick County. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay, so I I know you guys are kind of like me. You guys are are probably not as introverted, but you guys occupy occupy your time. Well, what are you guys doing to occupy your time? Um, Well, you know, part of me is like, fuck you, coronavirus, because I already hated people and it was my house anyway. So it's on you. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, it's a lot of uh, reading and playing video games. Yes. And probably going to deep clean my house in yes. a serious way. Oh, yeah. House training my new puppy. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and my kids are sh- 
shut down from school, so that's kind of a big deal right now. So there'll oh, be yeah. a lot of discussions on how we're going to deal with schoolwork and how we're going to deal with chores around the house and making sure we're not just getting fat and lazy over the summer, which now became six months long. <laughs> right. Um, like with the kids, how, how do the kids uh, react to this? Are they worried? Are they just on vacation or? Uh, I think they're a little concerned, but I think they're probably taking a lot of their lead from their father and I, who mostly make light and jokes of the situation. Which I think is good. Um, <laughs> well, and you know, their, their dad is also in healthcare and works with an even more vulnerable population than we do so uh he's in you know uh, assisted living and nursing home type situations so oh, wow. they're screening people daily i bet uh, their staff members uh each day when they come in they have to be screened for temperature uh-huh. and then they have to fill out like a little report of who they've come in contact with for the last like 24 hours since they left work the day before oh wow uh, so it's pretty intense at some places just to be able to go to work yeah it was i i can tell you you know, I, I've gotten a lot of anxiety throughout this because I've, you know, probably watched way too many horror movies. But when I start seeing things that are like quarantine and lockdown and how this was, you know, mismanaged from the get go, like I can imagine there's, you know, I, I can see why there's panic. And I think it's really good to make light of it, but to still understand, you know, it might be a very real thing and to take precautions, you know, if that makes sense, you know. Oh yeah. Canceling all athletics and sports for the school. Yeah. Uh, you know, my son had planned to uh, try out for track. Right. And this was going to be his first opportunity to do that, so now he won't have that chance. And so will that, you know, hold him back at next year's chance. And so you know, there's a lot of of just you know low morale or just losing out on the regular everyday things that we look forward to. And oh yeah. So, you know, I, we're trying real hard to try to, you know, come up with little things that we can do to help boost people up and help them feel a little more positive. Yeah. And, and still maintain social distance and, and all of that. But okay. it's kind of a hard, hard line to walk. Plus, you know, when people aren't coming to work and you can't bill for people coming in, then that puts you in budgetary constraints, and, and that makes it that much harder to be able to do things that people consider significant and of value. Right. on tangible rewards, you know? Right. You can only say good job so many times before somebody's like, all right, give me a nickel. <laughs> right. You show me. Show me something. You know? Oh, yeah. Buy me a soda, you know? It's, mm-hmm. But people need those little tangible rewards to, you know, to keep them going and to right. give them a reason to, to, to keep coming in. And, oh, yeah. And, you know, and it's real hard for a lot of, uh, you know, people that I work with, and I think, too, where Brandy works, to, you know, keep in mind social distancing. Oh, yeah. And a lot of my people didn't necessarily practice the best hygiene before. Right. So, you know, there's a whole lot of education going on. Oh, and we're pretty much just walking around with the sanitizer, you know, just, you know, hey, I saw you cough, why don't you 
Why don't you put some of this on your hands, you know? <laughs> right. But it's real hard for some of my people that are very, you know, emotionally fragile that suddenly they, you know, can't get a hug when they feel down. Right. Or, you know, can't get that daily high five or fist bump when they did something good. And again, that comes down to, you know, kind of tangible rewards. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it comes down to that you're setting goals and things of like that with those people, and then you don't have anything yeah to re- reward tangibly for that goal, and it just it it might kind of break that down for some people quite a bit, you know. It can definitely you know it can it can make it to where folks are like, well, why do I keep trying? You know. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, I think you guys did uh, excellent, and if you stay on the line here, I'll, I'll talk to you guys for a little bit more. Um, I'm going to shut this off. This concludes our interview with Randy and Chadra. We are out. Thank you for listening. Have a good night.